0: John Clayton.
1: Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios.
0: Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere. On the 710 Seattle Sports App. Now, John Clayton.
1: And joining us is Michael Bumpus. And, uh, you know, Michael, you've been in the locker room. Uh, you know how things go and all this stuff. And, of course, you know, the dreaded story has resurfaced. Seattle trying to go ahead and, uh, you know, do the... Uh, maybe do something with Antonio Brown, personally, I'd, I'd advise against it. I mean, the only way that I would really consider it is the pattern. It's been set up by four veterans who agreed to come to the Seahawks, like Damon Snacks, Harrison, Ray Armstrong, uh, Denarius Randall, a former first-round pick, and Michael Kendricks in the sense that here this late in the season that you'll come and sign to the practice squad. I mean, if he's thinking to come to the open roster right now, would you do it or not?
0: You know, John, right now I just wouldn't do it. And I know what Antonio Brown is. I know who he is. He's one of the best receivers to play the game. But you look at just the chemistry and the vibe of this football team, you don't want to do anything to mess it up. You sign a guy like Michael Kendricks, he knows what's going on. And then I think about D.K. Metcalf. D.K. Metcalf is pretty much the number one receiver a rising star. What does that do to his mental? Does A.B. come in and expect a bunch of targets? And you just have to go off of his recent history. He is who he is at this point. Now, what makes me think that um, Russell and Pete Carroll think that they can control him is that they're still going after the guy after everything that's happened. So, John, I'm with you at this point. I like where this team is mentally and with their chemistry, and I love where the receiving core is as well.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing that I think that uh, you have to take into account because you know what you're looking at is such good balance. And, again, it's nice to have a talent-stashed And, again, that's why I think it's practice squad or nothing, if it's going to be anything like that. But, I mean, when you look at it, and, you know, I was watching it this year with Tampa Bay. Now, here's Bruce Arians. He comes in, and he mandates he wants a two-tight-end offense, okay? Now, he's got, at that time, and maybe it may not be outdated because of DK and Tyler Lockett, the best Wide receiver duo in football, and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, and uh, you know what he, what, and you saw when they're both on the field together, the tight ends don't get the ball much, and I think that you can see in the last couple weeks, tight end uh, pass attempts and targets have dropped because again, you know you've got you know six catches a game from Tyler Lockett, and he's six and a half a game from DK Metcalf and an offense that uh, is, you know, maybe passing a little bit more than expected at 35, 36 times a game with dropbacks. And it's like, are you going to take that away? Because, you know, where's that going to fit? Because it's going to take a tight end off the field. Plus, Antonio Brown pretty much plays the same position as Tyler Lockett.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's going to take a tight end off the field. He's going to compete with Tyler Lockett. And Tyler's been so consistent and loyal to this organization, why would you mess with that? Now, again, I'll repeat, we know that Antonio Brown is one of the most talented receivers out there, but you still have Greg Olson, who, when you need him, he comes through clutch. You still have Will Disley, who caught a touchdown against the Vikings. We still haven't really got a chance to see these tight ends really flourish, and eventually you're going to need those guys. And with those two tight end receivers, sets, John, you know, it's going to protect Russell Wilson in those moments when they're down in the red zone, when when they know they're going to run the football. To me, it just complicates things. The only way this works is if A.B. comes in and says, okay, I'm the number four receiver. I'm behind David Moore, and I just don't think his ego is going to allow him to do that. Can a guy like Greg Olson control him? Maybe. Can Russell Wilson control him? Maybe. But we keep asking these questions. Let's not ask questions and just go with what's been working all year.
1: Yeah, no doubt, and that's where I think that uh, you, know, you have to make a concession on this one and uh, not do it. And it's like uh, you know, because again, I think it could cause more damage. Now, again, this didn't affect their ability to win a Super Bowl in 2013, but certainly you can see there was you know there wasn't a great reception of the uh, wide receivers, you know, the Doug Baldwin's, the Golden Tates, you know, Jermaine Curse, you know, the guys like that when they made the trade for Percy Harvin and then gave him 11 million dollars a year because you know they're on their rookie contracts. And, you know, they were getting you know ripped for being the unknown wide receivers and all that stuff. And so then, of course, what what Percy does is, you know, works his way off the team. He body slams Golden Tate the night before the Super Bowl. He comes back and in a Dallas game at the end of the game, he didn't want to go on the field sitting on the bench because he didn't like to play call. And so he ends up uh, getting out of there. And, you know, I don't think I mean, it could be as bad with Antonio.
0: Yeah, it could be all, all signs say that it, that's really a possibility. Now, what Percy did to help himself was take a kickoff to the house. You yeah, know? That's true. Um, but you, you still, you still want to keep an identity when it comes to your football team and you want to limit the distractions. You're already going through a year of COVID where protocols are different, where guys are expected to be really responsible and to be held accountable. I just don't know if he's ready to do that. And, and John, maybe he is. Maybe he's gone through some things in his life and. He feels like he's ready and capable, and maybe Pete Carroll has spoken to him and Schneider and all those guys, and Russell is uh, is lobbying for him. Uh, maybe he's in a good place, but honestly, I don't think they need Antonio Brown at this point. You possibly still have Josh Gordon coming in. Philip Dorsett is going to get healthy, so you're going to have other options at that receiver spot. Um, I just don't think it's worth it. I'm with you, John.
1: Yeah, that's true. So what's your thoughts in this game coming up against the Arizona Cardinals?
0: Um, I think it's going to be a, a battle. We all know that Arizona plays the Seahawks tough. Now, when it comes to running the football, they have one of the best backfields in the NFL. Kyler Murray has six rushing touchdowns, that's second in the league. Uh, Drake is rushing for four hundred seventy-eight yards so far, that's fourth in the league. They're they're honestly they're their best when plays are breaking down when Kyler Murray is allowed to be special. And then you add DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best receivers in the league, with forty-seven catches. I think it's going to be tough. I think they're going to challenge. The, the Seahawks in the past game, but the Hawks need to be that rush defense that we're used to seeing. They're the seventh ring rush defense at this point. At one point, there was a third rush, uh, third ring rushing defense. They just have to get back to doing what they're good at. And Colin Murray will turn the ball over, but there are big plays out there. And when you're going up against a mobile quarterback and get it done with his feet and his arm, he's going to present a bunch of challenges.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And of course, I think and that's the thing that's going to be shifting because, I mean, the challenge, particularly going against the quarterbacks they went against, you know, that was challenging the secondary in the pass rush. This next group, even though there's some good quarterbacks they face, is going to challenge the run defense and particularly, you know, the creativity that you're going to see, you know, from Kingsbury and from uh, Sean McVay and also from uh, Kyle Shanahan.
0: Yeah, different challenges. Those those linebackers are going to have to be disciplined. That defensive line is going to have to um, contain and, and keep everything inside. John, if they can force Colin Murray to step up in the pocket, I think they have a better chance. What he wants to do is get outside the pocket and stretch things out. Um, and uh, you got Drake who can do the same thing. And they have one of the fastest receiving courts in the NFL, so they're not. It may not be super impressive when it comes to numbers, but when you look at that that receiver core, you look at the running back, you look at the quarterback, um, there are big plays to be made out there. But I, I expect the secondary to play well. I think they're in a good place. I think they're understanding um, how to drop into those deep thirds but still gamble and take chances on the football. It's all about... Rallying to the football, keeping contained, and not letting Kyler Murray run for 120 yards and on a couple touchdowns.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And of course, uh, the challenge is also going to be trying to contain Murray because again, you know, he has been inconsistent throwing the football. But I think you know his tendencies to have interceptions is going to be interesting. I mean, the the guy that has to step up big time in this game is going to be Quentin Dunbar because uh, you know Dunbar, you know. He's, you know, he got a knee injury, but he should be fine after that. They gave him a veteran rest day. But I mean, and you've seen this, and I don't know, maybe you explain why. But uh, in in the in an air raid offense, uh, you like to throw to one side of the field, and of course now that side of the field is the left side with DeAndre Hopkins, and that's going to be directly challenging Quentin Dunbar. Why why is it that the you know in the air raid, I mean, you kind of over, you kind of do it to more than one side.
0: I um, mean, it's whatever the the quarterback is comfortable with and just concepts and where your best receiver is. Um, it can go from the left side to the right side. It all depends on your personnel, really. And when you have options on the left side the majority of the time, that's where you have to go. And maybe Kyler likes rolling to that left side a bit more. Typically, those right-handed quarterbacks like to look at that right side. Um, I can't give you a definitive answer, but when you have your weapons on that side, it makes sense that that's where you're looking
1: Yeah, it's going to be pretty interesting. And, of course, you'll be on Hawks Live tonight?
0: Yes, sir. I'll be on. Talk to you soon, John.
1: Okay, I'll be joining you at 745. And, of course, you can listen to the show. And, again, thank you, Michael Bumpus. You can listen to the show via the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we get some grades out with the report card. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.
0: It's time for... The The Report Report Card Card. with the the Professor.
1: In the Report Card, we get out each day. We look at the good, the bad, the ugly, the smart, the stupid, what people say, what people do. We take the stories, the anecdotes. We take social media comments. We take the voices, and we attach a grade to it. And Curtis Rogers here every day to give us a report card. So what do we have today?
2: Well, John, I think you can imagine what we're going to start off <laughs> oh, with. <geez. laughs> Pete My Carole. biggest headache, yeah. Pete Carroll yesterday in his press conference asked about the team's interest in Antonio Brown. Here is what Pete had to say. Yeah, we're,
0: we're you know we're nowhere there right now. So let, let's wait and see what happens and in, in, in all that. But you know, we do all of the homework we can think of doing. I mean, we we will never. Think that we can leave a stone unturned, and so uh, that's how we, uh, you know, how we approach everything, and uh, so that's we're, we'll continue to do that here.
2: Pete's saying they leave no stone unturned. That's how they approach everything, John. He also said they're nowhere near to signing Brown at this point, but obviously things can change on that front in a hurry. Uh, how are we grading the possibility of Seattle having major interest in Antonio Brown?
1: Well, if you phrase it major interest, I'd say F and D-minus, and what I mean by major interest is, you're going to pay the guy? I mean, you know, there's less than $4 million in the cap right now, okay? And you, know, you still want to leave reserves open for maybe the possibility of a trade and all that stuff, and I, I think they're deep enough at the wide receiver position, but it's like if you say major interest, then it's a D-minus. You know, I'll give it a D-plus if there's the possibility that he'll humble himself <clears throat> and do what... Uh, The others have done, you know, four other players, including Damon Snacks, Harrison and Michael Kendricks and signed for the practice squad. And again, not giving any date on when he can come out and also accepting when he does go to the active roster, he's going to make minimum salary. If that's the case, then I give it a little bit better of a grade. But, uh, you know, what you're looking at and particularly the timing, as I mentioned of it, because, you know, you figure that even at the earliest, he wouldn't be on the field to for to week 10 or 11. And so now what you're looking at is, you know, he would come in against maybe that first Rams game or the second Arizona game. But he's going to miss, you know, the San Francisco, Buffalo and Arizona game, the first Arizona game. So I don't like it. But, uh, you know, again, and I hope that, uh, you know, Seattle would do something like Baltimore did. You know, they're signing Des Bryant and take it off the slate.
2: Yeah, I'm going to give the Seahawks an F for even entertaining the thought of signing Antonio Brown. I I get that he is an otherworldly talent. I get that entirely, but for what the Seahawks have right now, it it just isn't a fit because they've got so many good wide receivers and and tight ends for Russell Wilson to use. It, It just does not really gel with what they've got already. Uh, just, that's just from a football standpoint, and then obviously the the elephant in the room is that he's got s- this pending lawsuit that is involving uh, a sexual assault case. Uh, he's had all the other in- uh, all the other things. There was a child abuse uh, allegation against him. There was the delivery driver incident. I mean, there's just so much about Antonio Brown that screams run away from him. I do not understand why the Seahawks are going. Uh, or are potentially going all in on him? Uh, it makes zero and sense. And again, that's to me. the thing.
1: All in is not the case. I mean, a practice squad, maybe all in F.
2: Yeah, not not good. Uh, also, John, on the report card today, uh, the Ravens they have made a, a move, a big move, a big trade, uh, probably the biggest trade so far of the regular season, and that would be acquiring pass rusher Unique Ngakwe from the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, giving up a third and a conditional fifth in 2022 for the pass rushing specialist, and Gakwe only spent six
1: weeks with Minnesota. But how are we grading the
2: Ravens' acquisition of Unique and
1: Gakwe? Oh, I give it an A. I mean, and, and you look what Eric DeCosta has been able to do—the general manager, you know, to be able to get Pro Bowl players like in uh Peters. Kaleas Campbell, Marcus Peters. I'm talking about and Kaleas Campbell, and you know, not giving up a first or second round pick. That's huge. And you know, I know that it creates some cap issues for the future, not the present, but the cap issues in the sense that now, if you, uh, you know, if they don't get to resign their two franchise outside linebackers and Dockway and Matthew Juden, they'll get third round compensatories. Which you know, they'd r- you'd rather have the players than the compensatories, but it just ramps things up and it just shows they're going for it. So I give them a lot of. Credit. And of course, if you're wondering, gee, why come? Why didn't uh, you know the Seahawks be able to do that? Well, they didn't have the cap room to take on you know unique salary, and they didn't have that third round pick.
2: Yeah, I'll give the Ravens a, a B plus to an A on this one. And just it'll become an A if they go deep into the playoffs in the AFC. Uh, which I would imagine they're going to even without Ngakwe. Now that you bring him in, all of a sudden that pass-rushing unit with Judon and Campbell, and Mm. now you've got Ngakwe, that's a pretty fearsome group. So, uh, yeah, shout-out to the Ravens for pulling the trigger on that one. Also, John, on the report card, uh, the quarterback – controversy, I guess, in in Miami. It's not really controversy anymore because Tua Tagovailoa has uh, taken the starting job away from Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick, in his press conference yesterday, was asked about uh, just how he's dealing with the news that Tua's taken over. And you can tell Fitzpatrick is taking it pretty hard. I was shocked by it. You know, It definitely caught me off guard. And it was a hard thing for me to hear yesterday, just kind of digesting the news. My heart just hurt all day. Like it was, it was heartbreaking for me, you know, and I flow kind of said what he said and said what he said to you guys as well. And that's the decision and the direction that the organization is going in. And obviously, you know, we've talked in the past, uh, me and you guys about, you know, how I'm the placeholder and this eventually was going to happen no matter. It was just a matter of kind of when, not if, and, it still just, it, it broke my heart yesterday. And, you know, it's a tough thing for, for me to hear and to now have to deal with, but, you know, I'm going to do my best with it. So, John uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I mean, he's by all accounts one of the best teammates yeah. in the NFL, but you could tell that he really had bought into uh, really having a team of his own for the first time in his career. Now that's not the case. Dolphins at 500. Uh, how are we grading Ryan Fitzpatrick and just his honesty in, in that answer? Well,
1: I, I'll give him a, a B plus because I think he handled it professionally. I mean, he's been emotional at different times when he's been benched. I mean, think about the fact that what he's had this what seventeen year career. He's only been on one winning team here. Uh, you know, say what you want, and again, so much of it is their schedule. You know, they were able to get a lucky not a lucky win. That was a good win over San Francisco, and now they're sitting at three and three. You know, they have two tough games coming up because they've got you know the Rams and arizona and now you go to a rookie quarterback and i think what the plan was was to go to tua you know in week 11 when they have the bye week well they moved the week the bye week to week seven and so that that couldn't happen so i think in the end it's a tough one for him i give him credit for being professional so i'll give him a b plus
2: yeah i'll give him a a solid b on that one Uh, i think ryan fitzpatrick one of the good guys in the NFL, and, I mean, you lose your starting job, how can you not be emotional about it? Uh, you know, maybe he'll find another team where he can be sort of an emergency quarterback, or, I mean, heck, even with Tua being a rookie, there's a, a possibility they may need Fitzpatrick at some point later on in the season, so uh, maybe he'll get an opportunity. That's one quarterback who had, a, a you know, an emotional response to the media yesterday. How about Baker Mayfield, John, who... Uh, it's sort of following the recipe he has created for himself, where uh, things are going good. He is he's joking around. He's having a great time. When things are going bad, it's the media's fault. Here's what Baker Mayfield had to say uh, yesterday at his press conference, uh, sort of reeling from that Browns loss, that Browns blowout loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers.
0: I don't give a damn what they say. Um, it's it's within this building. Uh, we know we can do better. I know I can do better. And that's how it's going to be handled. The outside noise doesn't matter. They get paid to talk. We get paid to do our work. So uh, that's how it's going to be handled.
2: John, are, are you at all getting tired of the Baker Mayfield act, where it's just never his fault, and and where he just uh, you know is going to lash out at the media and say I'm not listening to the media, yeah. When he he definitely does
1: do. Yeah, that. and of course, I mean, you're talking about a guy that <clears throat> he hasn't done it of late. Is that if you criticize him, he's going to go on cr- uh, Twitter and criticize you and minimize it as if he's never at fault? And Kevin has come in there and basically has changed the offense. To take the load off of Baker Mayfield and run the football. and I think that was a smart thing to do. and now of course, you know to come back and even said it's like, oh yeah, it's like uh, four and two is see, our four and twos seemingly more like our be going through an 0 and six season. It's like, come on, man, Baker, just you know grow up. I mean, except the fact that you're a quarterback, you're gonna get criticized, that's the deal. So I'm giving him a D.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll give him uh I'll give him a, a D as well. Like you said, John, they're four and two. That's a good start to a season. And in in the Cleveland Browns team history, that's yeah. an excellent start to a season. They haven't been four and two in, in years. And the fact that he's, you know, so down on himself and down on his teammates saying, Oh, it, you know, it feels like we're 0 and six Brown there are probably guys on that team that know what 0 and six feels like, and they probably feel a world different right now at four and two compared to Owen Six. Uh, Baker Mayfield, man, you you got you to gotta be a good leader for your team. And, and right now I'm just not seeing it from him. I, I don't know if we'll ever see it from him. Uh, that is it for today's report card. John. Okay, be
1: sure to check out the professor's notes at 710sports.com. The professor's notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at 5. Coming up next, we're going to go on the Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line and take your text questions. It's the John Clayton Show. And, of course, that's 710 on 710 on the uh, text line. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's John
0: Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio.
1: Two hours, every day, 10 to noon.
0: Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app.
1: It is time to go on a busy hard seltzer text line and take your text questions. You can text us at 710710. And so, Curtis, what do we have?
2: John, this one from the 253. They want to know, when healthy... Would Michael Kendricks be placed ahead of Cody Barton on the depth chart?
1: Mm, I don't know if he will. I mean, uh, I guess if that's going to be the case, you know, and and understand it's like, uh, and again, I credit, you know, Kendricks and the Seahawks for working it out that it's like, okay, you know, first we're going to get you tested, and now you're tested and you're on the roster, and we'll see about putting you on a 53-man roster. But you know, it's maybe one of those things where it's going to take probably two or three weeks, and you know, would he go ahead of him? Uh, maybe not, but of course I think the idea is, and I hope you'll see about this week, whether Jordan Brooks can come back and be the starter because if he's healthy enough to do it, I think they want Brooks out there, and if that's going to be the case, then I'd say it's probably two or three weeks.
2: This one an interesting one interesting observation the 425 points out they say uh, good morning professor any thoughts on the Seahawks now listing Stefan Sullivan as a tight end slash defensive end.
1: Well, I mean, I think what they're looking at is that, uh, you know, they're looking at his athletic ability and maybe seeing if he can do a little bit of a pass rush and kind of develop <clears throat> some some things there. So it is kind of interesting. Now, again, the, the thing that, uh, you know, none of us have the ability to do is be able to, to go practice and see, you know, how he is. I mean, we've only seen him at training camp, but he's been a tight end. And I know that, you know, Pete Carroll loved the, the selection of him because. Love the football player that he is, but uh, you know you take a, a tight end type guy, and you know is big enough to try to you know try to maybe try out the Leo position. So I think it's a developing option. It's things that you do when you have the time to do it, and of course you know when you have a practice squad and everything else. I mean you have times to test things out.
2: This one from the two five three, John. They want to know: Do you think this is the week the Jags will bench Gardner Minshew?
1: Uh, I hope not, but uh, you know it can happen any week. at You know, it's like, uh, but do you really want to go to Mike Glennon? I mean, is it going to change the equation? I mean, you know, Garner Minshew can't be responsible for the bad defense, and that's one of the worst defenses in the league. And, of course, I mean, you can see now that Baltimore's taking advantage of it because now they have their two starting defensive ends in Calais Campbell and Unique and Dockway. But, uh, you know, when you have a coach come out early in the week and not giving a guarantee that Garner Minshew is going to continue being the quarterback, you know, it can happen on a week-by-week basis.
2: Another good one from the two five three. They want to know: Do you think Carolina sees Teddy Bridgewater as their long term option at quarterback?
1: No, I don't. I think that uh, he's a good short term option for a couple years. You know what they gave him? What a three year deal? I think it is, or twenty one million a year. And so I think as time goes, you know they're going to try to see about developing one. And you know say what you want. It's like he's done a good job. He's got him to three and three, and that's despite not having a very good defense. I think Matt Rule. Rules. I think this guy is a really good coach. And I think that, uh, you know, he's been able to get the offense going very well. Bridgewater's done well. But uh, the long term answer, I guess, it depends where you want to determine long term. Teams kind of go in three year cycles. I think he can be the quarterback for three years, but we'll see after that.
2: Joe Six wants to know Do you think there will ever be another undefeated Super Bowl winning team?
1: Mm, I tend to doubt it. Although a year like this, well, of course, no. It, it It's just too hard to happen. Now, what you're looking at is that, uh, you know, particularly uh, when you go and, you know, you go and see the regular season and how tough it can be and you get more quarterbacks and you're going to see a switch here in the next couple years because the NFC is right now, I think, better than the AFC just because they have the experienced quarterbacks, but they're all going to start to shuffle off rosters, and now you're going to have the AFC with the young quarterbacks that are emerging there. We'll see where Tua goes, but we're always seeing great things out of Justin Herbert, great things out of Joe Burrow, and we'll, we'll see about the rest, but overall, and you kind of figure that uh, you know Trevor Lawrence is either going to end up maybe in the NFC East or with the New York Jets. But I think overall, what you're looking at is that uh, it's going to be tough because, again, quarterback-driven league and say what you want. Teams have missing parts of quarterback, but other teams don't.
2: Another 253 number wants to know, with Miles Sanders out for Philadelphia, what kind of game do you think Boston Scott will have against the Giants?
1: Uh... I'd say probably 60 65 yards something of that nature because you know, again you know what you're looking at is not just Miles Scott being out but you're looking at you know four starters on the offensive line being down who's going to be doing the blocking I mean they're they're basically patching things together and that's scary and so you know what you're looking at is it's a real bad situation
2: This one comes to us from the 916. They want to know, John, what is your, between these two, which is your preferred item to snack on,
1: popcorn or
2: nachos?
1: Uh, I go popcorn because uh, you know it's, the thing with nachos is that as I get older, uh, the spices t- tend to be a little bit tougher. Heartburn? But yeah. Not, I don't have heartburn, but it's like it's just you know it's just a little tougher for me to digest with the spices and all that stuff. And so, uh, and you know, you get it's still kind of messy to eat. I like it, but I think I'd go the other way.
2: Yeah, you can't really eat them on the couch. No. There's a big risk of spilling either on the couch or the no carpet. No question. Got to, eat, got to eat them at a table. Five-
1: the, cheese, the cheese can just go on your lap, but you're right about that.
2: Yeah. I've had plenty of notches in my day, Professor. 509 wants to know, do you think Snacks Harrison will get a play on Sunday? I
1: think he will, yeah. And I think they need him. Now, again, it all depends on how his conditioning is. And, of course, Pete Carroll said he's svelte, so that's encouraging. And, you know, they need run stoppers, certainly. And so just to take some pressure off of the other two starting defensive tackles, Puna Ford and particularly Jaron Reed, I think there's a decent chance he's going to be there for maybe 10, 15 plays.
2: This one uh, from the 360. John, they want to know any updates on the Raiders' offensive line situation. Uh,
1: I think it's going to be okay because the big thing is none of the others other than Trenton Brown... Uh, had a positive test. I mean, what they what they're now starting to look at is that uh, they think Trenton had his mask off because when they're starting to do some of the tracing, you know, and he didn't have his tracer on, and so uh, you know his protocol was broken, and that's why they wanted to be very specific about sending the offensive linemen starters home, and they, you know, in, with the idea that they are going to be okay and so far there's no positive test for them so my guess would be they'll probably be you know back in the building maybe friday and saturday and the game looks like it's still on but trenton brown's going to be out
2: 509 wants to know john do you think cincinnati's joe mixon plays this weekend
1: mm, i think so i think he's had enough time off i mean you know, he was i think well, he was limited in practice yesterday and so i think there's a chance he can play uh
2: this one comes to us from the 206 they want to know john uh, what is your prediction for tonight's Giants Eagles game? A bad game. Yeah. <laughs> it's like two to nothing.
1: Yeah, two to nothing. Uh, yeah, I have to think that uh, what it's you know, it's probably going to be like a 2017 game, something of that nature. You know, Philadelphia still has the better team because they've got more talent, but they're completely obliterated on offense. And you know, are they going to be able to block and do all those different things? And you know, I guess you know the turnover battle would lean toward even hold both teams because what uh you've got uh, daniel jones leading the league in turnovers and you've got uh, what carson wentz with like 20 25 sacks and leading with nine interceptions and so uh yeah it's going to be pretty ugly but i'd say 2017 but i'd lean toward the eagles
2: speaking of uh, tonight's game john they want to know how often do you, uh, this one comes to us by the way from the 503 they want to know how often do you think we'll see jalen hurts play tonight
1: Mm, I'd say maybe five, six plays somewhere in that area. I mean, because, uh, you know, just to try to mix it up a little bit because you know, they don't have Miles Sanders. I think they might want to try to do some different things. But, uh, you know, I'm not a, necessarily a big fan of that, you know, the Taysen Hill type of thing. It's like sometimes I think that gets a little bit overdone. And I think that you can see that the Eagles put themselves in a bad position by taking Hurts because, you know, they, they really needed a position player, not a quarterback who's not going to start.
2: And this one from the two hundred six, John, one to definitely monitor heading into Sunday. Uh, any updates on DeAndre Hopkins' ankle?
1: It's just—it's kind of like uh, you look at Dwayne Brown's knee and you know, some continuing injuries. You know, it's like—and <clears throat> remember, he's a veteran—and so they'll give him veteran days off. And again, he's been able to respond pretty much every week, and so not no big deal there. That will do it for text questions. And, of course, that was on the Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line. Coming up next, our Daily Dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby.
0: John Clayton.
1: Powered through the Alaska Airline Studios.
0: On demand with a 710 Seattle Sports App.
1: And time for our Daily Dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. And <coughs> the media nightmare continues <coughs> with the fact that now, Uh, everybody's now talking Antonio Brown, Uh, you know, Adam Schefter reporting that, uh, you know, he comes off suspension week eight and now all the buzz, whether you like it or not like it is all out there. Pete Carroll did confirm that they are interested, but I don't think they're necessarily all in. Where do you stand on the signing of Antonio Brown?
3: Same place I did when we talked about it last, John, I thought we put it to bed. Uh, I don't, I'm not, I I have, in, in trust in the Seahawks' ability to judge talent, but I think this is a mistake, and, and I hope they don't sign him
1: yeah I mean you know the only way I can see them signing him because I mean they're setting up a nice little pattern which I think is good for the team and good to kind of you know wake everybody up is that in the last couple weeks they've signed four players and put them all on the practice squad which of course the practice squad this year you can assign anybody to the practice squad six players of the practice squad and they don't have to be paid more than 12,000 a year or 12,000 a week and so now uh, they did it with Damon Snacks Harris and Ray Ray Armstrong they did it with uh you know with Michael Kendricks you know Demarius, uh, uh Randall he signed and now right. they signed him to the active roster and so the path for somebody like Antonio Brown would be okay accepting a practice squad Signing until you're ready to play, and then uh, you'll see about putting him on the field. I mean, that would be the only way I would consider it because one, I wouldn't give him more than the minimum on the active roster because again, he's too much trouble. And again, you've got guys that Philip Dorset that have agreed to it. I know Josh Gordon, who's still suspended, agreed to minimum salary. It's like you know, Antonio, if you're coming to Seattle, you're not getting paid,
3: and you'd be third option at best.
1: hmm At best. At
3: yeah. Best. So I, I. I... I'm sure they're interested, but, uh, or keeping their options open, but, um, I'm, I'm hopeful if they don't do it. I don't think they need to risk the clubhouse disruption. This is not a, this is not a team that's desperate for a wide out, desperate for another, another weapon. Uh, so I would I would be against it for
1: those reasons. Yeah, and I mean, but the, the problem is you still have that buzz that you have people that uh, think, oh, let's add to the talent and all that different stuff. And you know, I, I, I and my big thing was, <clears throat> and I think it's now proved out to be accurate, is that uh, you know when everybody was talking about it in the summer and training camp and all that stuff, he is a November story. Well, we're almost to right. November, and now this is where things start to you know act up again. It's still I wish it was a November story that wouldn't be talked about here in Seattle.
3: Well, I mean, uh, again, I, I don't think it's going to happen here, although I have nothing to base that on, just opinion. Uh, I, I don't think that he'd be happy as the third option, uh, or if, if even that. So uh, I think that, you know, if he winds up playing, it'll be somewhere else.
1: Yeah, well, let's hope, because again... But we'll
3: see, obviously. I mean, look, you never count the Seahawks out, and they're, they don't feel reputations, and, and he's got a pretty important guy in his corner in Russell Wilson, so we'll see if that makes a difference. It might.
1: Yeah, it might. But what what were your thoughts on the uh, you know the fact that they brought four guys in and were convincing them enough to you know assign them to a practice squad because you know Damon sachs Harrison was a nine million dollar uh, defensive right. tackle. I mean Kendricks was what at one point a seven or eight million dollar outside linebacker. Uh, yeah,
3: you're talking about good, you know I mean look I mean Antonio Brown has shown himself to be a bad guy. Yeah. I mean not just a clubhouse disruption. He's gotten a lot of trouble off the field. He, he's not. You know, I wouldn't wouldn't compare him to those other guys just in terms of salary I mean those guys are, are clearly guys who've indicated they want to play I mean everyone saw on hard knocks uh, Brown up close and personal with the Raiders which was which was really an opportunity for him to stay in the league at, at that point and saw how he handled it so I mean you're talking about a different a different kind of uh, guy entirely uh, than a guy who is appreciative of the opportunity which is what I think he got in Harrison and Kendall excuse mm-hmm. me and and uh, Michael Kendricks
1: yeah, and so yeah, I just don't like the idea. But again, it's still an idea, and like John Snyder always does, he's going to pursue anything that he can just because he can.
3: Well, I mean, to have interest in things you think can help you, I mean, it, it's worked very well. And, and look, if they ultimately sign him, I'm going to I'm going to trust their judgment. They have, uh, unlike other organizations uh, who might make this signing, you, you've got reason, even though everyone makes mistakes. Uh, the Seahawks' track record of success is, is, on the field uh, overrides all, and and if they determine that it's the right move to make, uh, I mean, I'm going to go with them because of their past uh, their past uh, uh, track record.
1: No question about it. World Series. Can, oh, and by the way, we had the one trade in football, which was huge, unique in yeah. Dockway, going from Minnesota to Baltimore for a third round pick in 2021 and a conditional fifth round pick in 2022.
3: Baltimore already good on defense, needing a pass rusher gets a hometown guy and gets a little bit better uh, at that spot. And and, and uh, the Vikings calling the season. I mean, it's a uh, uh, very disappointing year in Minnesota. But uh, the Ravens are 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 in the middle of what is a very very. I, I think they have the Titans this week, don't they? I mean, that's going to be a yeah. tremendous
1: football. Well, not the Titans. The Titans play Pittsburgh. So
3: oh, excuse me. Titans are playing Pittsburgh. It's yeah. Two unbeaten. Uh, by the way, and the Ravens are up there, and then the Chiefs. It's a, it's highly competitive at the top of the AFC, and that's a it's a big move for them. They're already good on defense; they got a little bit better.
1: Oh, no doubt about it. And, of course, uh, you know, you, and, well, and again, I think because I know I did a Baltimore station this morning talking and, you know, they they were on the same buzz as Antonio Brown, even though Marquise Brown, his cousin, is on the team, Hollywood. And, you know, Lamar Jackson was pushing for it. But, uh, you know, on the day that, you know, the, the day after the story comes out about Antonio, they bring Des Bryant in and now are trying to sign and get him to the practice squad. Now what's
3: been going on with him these days?
1: Well, remember, he's coming off of, I think it was an Achilles last year. It was a bad injury. Yeah. yeah, it was a bad injury. And so, you know, now he's just getting back. And at least his willingness to come back and, uh, you know, do it for possibly, you know, going into practice squad, I think it says that, okay, he's humbled a little bit.
3: Well, I guess he's got to be, right? Yeah, you have to be.
1: No doubt, because, again, it's like, hey, if things aren't going to go your way, then you got to figure out something different and things aren't going his way.
3: Indeed, you're right, John.
1: Okay, but things nice going. World
3: Series game last night.
1: Yeah, yeah, because again, it's like it went for the way for the uh, for the Rays getting that victory.
3: Well, I mean, the key was you know uh, Brandon Liu, one of their best players, had been just terrible in the postseason. Terrible uh, was uh, All Star, was um, MVP candidate this year. Had been when I'm looking at his numbers right now, was six for 56 with 19 strikeouts going into that game last night, and he and he got his swing back and. and uh, it's a huge, huge deal. As he had two opposite field home runs in the game, and and um, you know all of a sudden the Rays' biggest bat, who's been quiet. I mean, they've done all this without him being a, a contributor at all. Now they've got uh, one of their best middle of the lineup uh, producers producing again, and it's a different series. I mean, it's a different series. They they win uh, game two. Their bullpen is a little little shaky at the end, but but good enough, and uh, setting up for uh, as as we speculated, or as I speculated with you yesterday. Uh, I think this is going to be a, a great World Series, a seven game World Series. And, uh, you got, uh, Walker Bueller and, and, uh, Charlie Morton, which is a fantastic pitching matchup, uh, for tomorrow night. So, uh, it was, uh, it was a good day for baseball fans because you want to see a good series and then you certainly got a, an indication of one. And again, if you're a Tampa fan, uh, getting Lou hot again, it was just a, just a huge move. It's, it's really remarkable when you think about it that they managed to make it this fall with one of their best players not contributing, and he was a big factor last night.
1: What do you think of the philosophy that the Rays have? Because I think they weren't they the first team to really do it, about going extra in the bullpen? Like, here's Blake Oh, yeah.
3: They were were the first to do the openers. They're the first to do the shift. The Rays have been the first to do a whole lot of
1: things. Mm -hmm. What what do you think of that philosophy?
3: Uh, It's going to take over baseball. I mean, it's not going to happen immediately, but I, I think that, probably within within the decade you're going to see the end of the of the the seven starter pitcher and you're going to see rosters build a little bit differently with a few more players with a few more pitchers and you're going to see guys you know uh, pitching staffs avoiding uh, seeing guys more than twice during um during a during a game uh, more than two times through the rotation you're going to or two times through the lineup you're going to see you're going to see great people bring in new pitchers so I think that it's uh, it's just the beginning of a change that's going to overtake baseball in the next in the next ten years or so.
1: No doubt, of course. Uh, what's your choice tonight? Uh, uh, the NFC least with Philadelphia, New York Giants, or the presidential debate?
3: <laughs> wow, I, I guess I'll probably watch the Giants and the Eagles uh, after the debate.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah it's i work a, both oh yeah that's gonna be yeah but how, how bad is that i mean I, I i mean you you were a follower of the nfc east for the longest time but it yeah, is as bad. unbelievable it, it's unbelievably
3: it's just, bad just terrible the, the giants in, in particular you know always yeah. the top flight organization have just hit the skids and 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 just uh just look terrible man
1: it's really bad but of course that's really good is our daily dose of the garage Gros- with dave grosby dave have yourself a great night John, we'll talk again tomorrow, buddy. All right, sounds good. And, of course, uh, we will be back tomorrow at 10. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.